So, David was a man after God's own heart. And David knew two things. This is what you got to do. When you fail, when you fall, when you trip up and stumble and make a mistake, you got to do two things. You got to repent, ask God to forgive you, and try to turn away from that mess and praise. Because praise will restore your prayer, your, your faith. Praise will restore your power and your confidence in the Lord. The last thing the devil wants you to do is return to God. The last thing he wants you to do is do that. The devil wants to throw nasty stuff in your life, nasty stuff at you, and then he wants to discourage you so you won't keep walking with the Lord. Well, it doesn't matter. You've got to have this in your mind that no matter what anybody does or says or does toward me or to me, that I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to walk with the Lord. Even if it's just me and the Lord. Because when it gets right down to it, there's nobody else going to close their eyes in death with you, and you're going to go into the other world, the other realm. It's just going to be you by yourself. You can't take anybody with you. Amen. So David was the first one. The second one was Elijah. Elijah dealt with depression. Elijah dealt with fear. Elijah dealt with a lot of things. Okay? But yet, God used Elijah. So Elijah had a lot of victories, and Elijah had a lot of failures, but God still used him, just like David. Amen. Last week, we talked about good old John Mark. John Mark was a cousin to Barnabas, and Barnabas and Paul made missionary journeys in the New Testament, several of them. And somehow John Mark ended up on one of these missionary journeys, and it got tough on him. So when they got to one port, instead of doing the connecting flight or the connecting boat to the destination, John Mark went to the other line and went on back home to Jerusalem. Paul said, I don't have time for somebody that's like that. But in the end, Paul said, John Mark has turned around, and he has been a benefit to me. He's been a help to me. So there was a change in John Mark's life. So if it gets too tough for you, give it time and it'll grow, you can grow into it. Some things aren't, you just can't drop into some things right away. You know, the Lord, I pastor this church, but I don't know if I could have pastored it 25 years ago. You know what I'm saying? But, or 30 years ago. But now I pastor it, I think. I'm trying to. At least I'm trying to. I'm just trying to pastor this church. So you grow into some things. Okay, so we're going to talk about two more guys tonight, two more people that had some failures, but it wasn't final in their lives. And other than the Lord Jesus Christ, these two are probably the most dominant characters in the New Testament. The first one we're going to talk about tonight is Paul. The other one that we will talk about is Peter. Okay? So let's go to... Paul's awful history. Now, he had an awful history. You Listen, you cannot let your past determine your future, okay? You cannot let your past determine your future. It doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going. How do you like that? It doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going. Or as they say, where I'm from, going. Okay, that's what matters is where you're going. Jonathan, if you locked me out. Hallelujah. Well, this may be a short lesson tonight. Doesn't matter where you come from. Matters where you're going. We're going to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. And verse 57 says this. Before Paul came the writer before uh, before Paul became the writer of the New Testament most of it he wrote over half of the New Testament okay there's 27 books in the New Testament Paul wrote at least 14 okay so 14 out of 27 Paul wrote he wrote some of them when he was in prison you mean you can do the will of God and be in jail or prison absolutely you see the Lord doesn't care where you're at he just wants you to be willing to be used so Paul writes half of the books in the New Testament. His real name, his Hebrew name was Saul of Tarsus. 
That was the city he was from. He was a terror to the early church. Not only was he present when Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was killed, he gave his approval to the murder. Okay? Why did Saul change his name to Paul? Well, the Lord said that Paul, Saul, was going to be a Gentile missionary. He said that Saul is going to be my man for the Gentiles. And so the Gentile name for Saul was Paul. So he took on that name that he was more approachable to the people that he was ministering to. Okay? So Acts chapter 7 says this, Then they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. This is Stephen. This is the murder of Stephen, the first martyr. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their, down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So Saul sees the murder of Stephen. Okay. Sees the murder of Stephen. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's what the Bible calls death. He fell asleep. So they're stoning Stephen outside the city gate. And as they stone him, he is crying out to the Lord, Lord, don't let this sin lay on them. Forgive them. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty strong Christianity. That's walking in a relationship. Man, that's pretty powerful. That's more than just signing a church card and saying, I'm a member of Family Worship Center. That means there's something down in your fibers. Amen? There was something down in the fibers of Stephen that caused him to ask for repentance and forgiveness for the ones who were killing him. And they put their robes and their coats at the feet of this young man named Saul which fired up this hatred and indignation in him. So from there, Luke tells us, because Luke wrote the book of Acts, okay? Luke wrote the book of Luke, and Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke tells us that Saul made it his business to destroy the church, going door to door in Jerusalem looking for people who followed Jesus so that he could throw them in prison. That's found in Acts chapter 8. And verse number one, Saul was one, this is a New Living Translation, of the official witnesses at the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles fled into Judea and Samaria. So there's this great big church in Jerusalem. It is the book of Acts church, Acts chapter 2 it was birthed in. Now, the Lord told them before he left, what did he tell them to do? He said, go into all the world. Well, the problem was they weren't going into all the world. They were staying in one spot. They were staying in one place. And this church was growing. But with the death of Stephen, this martyr, now persecution is coming on this church. And now look, now they're going to Judea. That's the, that's the county. Then Samaria, that's the state. So they're spreading out, and they're taking the gospel with him. Some godly men came and buried Stephen with loud weeping. Saul was going everywhere to devastate the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into jail. So Saul is fired up. Saul is fired up. He's throwing men and women in jail. Christians. He's, he's going into house churches, and he's devastating these house churches. After putting these people in prison, he planned to hunt down these Christians in Acts 22, 4 and 5. On his way, he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and now, then, the rest is history. Okay? Acts chapter 22, verse 4. And I persecuted the followers of the way. That's what they call the church, the way. The people are in that, the way. The people are... Are here, they're serving the Lord in the way. The church was so big, it said, history says that the church numbered maybe between 85 and 100,000 people in, in the town of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. So he was hounding some to death, binding and delivering both men and women to prison. 
The high priest and the whole council of leaders can testify that this is so. Now, this is Paul giving his testimony. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. So Paul is gathering up the Christians, putting them in chains, and chains is going to take them to Jerusalem. There's going to be an issue here. Now, this is how, this is how um, passionate Paul was about what he was trying to do. Did Paul regret his behavior before meeting Jesus? How could he not? In his, how could you not regret what you did? How could you not regret? I was with somebody years ago, and this person at that time that I was with was serving the Lord. They were a Christian, and they still are. But there was a name of another person that came up in conversation, and this person that came up in conversation, this young man became an alcoholic. And he was married and had a couple kids. Long story short, you know kind of what I'm going to say. He loved the alcohol more than he loved his family. And so the mom is left to raise these two kids without a dad. But the person that I was talking to that was now in church used to party with the guy. In fact, it was this guy that I was talking to that introduced that guy to alcohol for his very first time. That's regrettable. That would have to be hard to realize that you caused somebody to get involved in an addiction and in a situation that would affect the rest of their lives, that would affect this man's marriage, that would affect this man's children, that would affect this man's self-esteem. So do you think Paul had regrets? Absolutely. Some of us have regrets about the things that we did in the past before we met the Lord. But in his letter to Timothy, Paul said this, 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a true saying, and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of all of them. So Paul says, I was the worst of sinners. But that is why God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul says, my past is bad, but the Lord brought me out of it. My past and my history and my reputation back then was bad. But the Lord is using me as an example of what he can do in someone's life. So like I'm saying here tonight, it doesn't matter where any of us have came from. It doesn't matter what any of us have been guilty of before. Now we are showcases of what the Lord can do in our lives. Anybody make mistakes in here? All of us have made mistakes. I mean, Addie made uh, bunches. I remember the word, bunches. Emily made lots. Now, we didn't get a chance to talk to Kirsten because she was busy trying to get tracks. So we won't, we won't, cannot. Between bunches and a lot, I don't know what else superlative adjective you could use there. Many. Huh? Tons. Tons. We've all made tons of mistakes. But the Lord's mercy changes us. And the Lord's grace changes us. So the principle here is this. Let's get this out of this, this part of the lesson. For those who put their trust in Christ later in life, there are bound to be reasons you feel unqualified for service. The devil probably says, you used to do this, and now you're doing this. The devil used to say, now, you used to live like this, and you used to act like this, but now you're professing that the Lord's in your life. Well, if the Lord's in your life, tell people about it. You can't fix the past. You can't go back and change the past. The past is the past is the past. You know what they say about spilled milk. What do they say about spilled milk? Don't cry over spilled milk. Get out the quicker picker-upper. Bounty. Right? Now, I don't know who did the quicker picker-upper, but I remember Madge did palm olive. This is dishwashing liquid. Remember that? Actually... That and the tidy bowl man. 
tidy bow man, that, and then the gravy train that always disappeared under the cabinet. You know? Good commercials. The gospel is so powerful that our transformation becomes profound and a powerful testimony to God's goodness and grace. You know, a lot of people have testimonies of what they used to do to what they are now. Okay? Now, people who, some of us who grow up in church, we don't have the testimony that I was a drug addict, I was a crack addict, I was a heroin addict for 25 years, and the Lord saved me. You know, I used to, you know, sleep in, in uh, the, red, the Redwood Forest there in California, and I was a member of a motorcycle gang, and God saved me, and bless God. You know, now I've traded in my Harley for, for whatever. You know, I'm a preacher now. Some of us just have the deal that I grew up in church and I've lived for God all these years. God has given each of you a testimony that he wants you to use and that testimony fits you. No matter how dark it could be or how dim it could be. No matter how powerful you think it is or how powerful you don't think it is, God still has changed your life. So don't let your past make you feel unqualified to live for the Lord because we're museum pieces showing ourselves for the Lord. We are pieces of work that the Lord is working on. We're like clay on the potter's wheel. You remember clay? You take the clay and you smack it down on there and you run some water on it. Now, how many's done the potter's wheel? Potter wheel, pottery, yeah? Does it have a motor on it? Now, see, ours didn't. Clark remembers these. He had, somebody had to kick it. Remember those? They had to kick the wheel. Somebody kick it or you'd kick it and then you'd hop on your seat and then you'd start fixing the pottery. Now you got motors. We're just a lump of clay on the potter's wheel and God is shaping us into what he wants to be. So don't let your past. Paul had a bad past. Paul was, was, saw people killed. Paul was throwing men and women in prison and jail. Paul was breaking up families. Or Saul, he was breaking up all of these families. He was bringing so much destruction and fear and intimidation to people. But yet, God changed his life. And now we preach from his letters. And now we talk about how the Lord changed his life and how the Lord can change our lives. So that's what we're going to get from Paul tonight. Amen. Is Paul good? So let's talk about Peter. This is the last guy in our our lesson. There's a little bit in this one. Peter. Peter's denial of the Lord. Now, this is pretty strong. This is pretty strong. Peter denies the Lord. Peter has been handpicked by the Lord, hand-chosen by the Lord. He was introduced to the Lord by his brother Andrew. All right. He was loud and impetuous. He was the biggest personality in the room. No wonder he joined James and John as one of Jesus' closest friends and confidence. You ever heard of the inner circle of disciples? There was three of them, Peter, James, and John. Okay, these are the ones, if you remember, that when Jesus went and prayed in the garden, he left the others and he took Peter, James, and John with him a little further away. These guys were a little bit closer to the Lord. But yet, Peter has some issues. He was the only disciple who was willing to walk on water. If you remember, Peter was the only one that said, Lord, if that's you, tell me, come on. That's found in Matthew chapter 14. Let's look at that. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. He was the only one of the disciples that did that. None of the other disciples walked on water. None of the other disciples pressured the Lord and said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come on. Now, a lot of people say, well, yeah, but Peter started to sink. Then we have to ask us this question. How did Peter get back in the boat? 
I say that as he started to sink, the Bible says that the Lord grabbed him and picked him up by the hand. I think that Peter and Jesus probably walked back on the water to the boat. So that's, that's where Peter's at in all of this. He was the first to call Jesus the Christ and the Son of God. Matthew 16, 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was the first one to recognize who Jesus was in his divinity and in his power. He's the first one to walk on water. He's the first one to declare, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter's got a couple good things going for him right now. He's got a couple things going that are really, really good. When Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him, Peter, thinking about walking on water, thinking about, I recognize who you are, proudly rebuffs the Lord. That's in Matthew 26, 34. Let's look at that. Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said to him, Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Peter said, I'm willing not only to die, to, I'm not going to deny you, I'm willing to die for you. Because there's that personality, that boisterous, confident, quick to answer. He didn't think through. He didn't have very many filters. He just said, I'm, I'm, on the go, I'm not going to deny you. I'm willing to die for you. Likewise, all the other disciples said the same thing. Likewise, also said all the disciples, I'm willing to go with you all the way. But that very night after Jesus is arrested, someone confronts Peter in the courtyard of the Sanhedrin and accuses him of being a follower of Christ. Now watch what happens. And just as Jesus predicted, Peter denies him three times. Just like the Lord said. The third time, he's cussing his accusers. The third time, he is cussing. He is so mad, he is cussing. Now, I know none of you have ever had that happen to you. Not at all. I know you don't cuss. You don't cuss, do you, Kevin? No. You don't. Let's hope he's not on the screen. All right. We don't cuss when we're mad. You know what that point is. You know all of us have that point. That you, that, and you know, uh, as I go through life, I grew up in a family where my dad was an alcoholic. And so uh, I love it when people think that, that my ears are so clean because I'm a pastor, a preacher, and, and they'll, drop, uh, they'll drop a cuss word in front of me, and then they say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, pastor. I'm like, you don't even have an idea of what I heard growing up. And as I get older, sometimes I say to Amy, I say, you know what? There are some words that my dad used that they're the only words that fit some situations. They just fit. And Peter is the same way. He is getting, he's getting accused of being with those that follow Jesus. He gets accused the first time. He says, no, I'm not. He gets accused the second time. Now, it was a little girl a little teenage girl in the, in the crowd, and sometimes, you know, they just don't let up. And she did not let up, and she said the third, she came to him and said, I know that you're winning. And the, he started breaking down, cussing. When he realizes what he's done, he breaks down and weeps bitterly. Mark chapter 14, verse 66, watch this. Meanwhile, this is a new living. Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest Notice Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You're one of those with Jesus, the Nazarene. Now, that Jesus is going on trial in the middle of the night. And it is nervous now that the, the air is filled with, with tenseness and, and fear and apprehension, and, and nobody knows what's going on. And Peter denied it. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, and he went out into the entryway, just then the rooster crowed. Okay. Uh-huh. We have any more slides? Oh, 
I got it locked down. How'd I do that? Don't lock it down, Pastor. Okay. Just then, the rooster crowed. Help me, somebody. No. Wow, now it's going to catch them all up that I, the times I hit it. Okay. Just then, the rooster crowed. Yes? Oh, yeah. Woo! The servant girl saw him standing there and began telling the others. Now, she don't keep it to herself. You know, when somebody's got some goods on you, they don't keep it to themselves. When they got something bad on you, they put it on, they, you know, they put it all over social media, all over Facebook. I don't understand why people get on Facebook and fight. Why? As they say in, in, in Texas, why? Why? Why do people get on there and fight with each other? Amen. Well, that got a lot of response. Okay. She said, that man is definitely one of them. Peter again denied it. He denied it again. A little later, some other bystanders began saying to Peter, you must be one of them because you are from Galilee. And the reason they knew he was from Galilee is because he had an accent. He could tell, they could tell from his accent. I went into Rural King years ago, and I'm, and I'm getting something, and, and the girl, the, the cashier says, that'll be $25.15. And I said, where are you from? Because you are not from around here. She said, I'm from Kentucky. Now, if she just said, what are you doing? You know, let's go play ball. I just said, you're probably from New York. You're probably from Queens or Brooklyn. And she said, wait, go go park the car. I said, you're probably from Boston. So there was an accent. And they picked up this accent that Peter was from the northern part of Israel, from the Galilee region. So his his speech betrays him there. Okay. And so then... Peter says, I swear by God, I don't know this man you're talking about. He's getting fired up. He's getting so angry. The girl has ratted him out. The people around the fire have ratted him out. Now he's standing down there by the entryway, and somebody else walks up and says, you're not from here. Are you from Kentucky? Or Galilee, actually. Are you from Galilee? And then he's swearing. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, the cock, the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, thou, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and cried. I don't know if you've ever made a mistake and you feel so bad that you did it that you just break down and cry before the Lord. I imagine all of us have. Now remember, Peter has walked with the Lord for three years by now. Peter has walked on water. He's had successes in his ministry. Peter has recognized the deity of Jesus Christ. He has success in his ministry. But now, no matter the successes that he has, it's just like there's been a big flush on the giant toilet of life and all of those things accomplishments that he did have been flushed because he himself has personally denied knowing the Lord. Which just a few hours before, he was telling the Lord, what will he do if I have to? I'll die for you. Now, let's get, let's get into this little bit of a rat's nest in our lives. How many times have we told the Lord what we would do for him? And when the pressure and the time came, we couldn't follow through. Lots of times. Bunches of times. A lot of times. Tons of times. All of us have done it. All of us have failed the Lord. All of us have made promises that we could not keep. All of us have made promises to the Lord that when the time came and the pressure came, we just couldn't do it. 
But thank the Lord. The Lord didn't cast us aside. The Lord didn't throw us out. The Lord didn't say, you're finished. The Lord didn't say, you're the worst person on the face of the earth. Get out of my sight. I don't want to see you ever again. No, 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 no. That's not how the Lord works. That's what the devil wants us to think. That's what the devil wants us to to believe, that the Lord, if we make a mistake, the Lord will just flush us out and, and it's going to be over. You see, the devil wants to destroy your hope that God will use you and walk in your life. God will use you as he walks through your life to work in your life where you can touch others because the devil wants you to be ineffective. Say that word, ineffective. The devil wants you to be ineffective because is the devil fighting anybody in here? If the devil's fighting you, that means that the Lord is doing something in you that he's trying to stop. If the devil's fighting you, that means that the Lord is doing something through you and with you that he wants to stop. So if you're in the battle, thank the Lord for it. If you're in a, in a struggle, thank the Lord for it because this is part of the pressure and part of the heat that builds coal into diamonds. Did Peter's failure exclude him from the plans that the Lord had for him? Did his failures exclude him? No. Did it slow him down? Maybe, maybe not. What it did was it revealed to Peter his true true strength in his relationship with the Lord. And that's what that is. When we fail, it shows the true strength of my walk with the Lord. How strong am I really? How strong am I really in the Lord? You see, nope, not at all. Peter is the first of the 12 that, that Jesus appears to. How about that? Peter is the first of the 12 that Jesus appears to. Luke 24, 34. This says this, saying, The Lord is risen and hath appeared to Simon. Simon Peter. The first one that the Lord runs into is Peter. 1 Corinthians 15, 5. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Cephas is another name for Simon or, or Peter. Cephas. And then the other twelve saw him. But the first one was Peter. Okay? I'm going to give you a little bonus here. Free. You can say, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Ronnie. This is free. You've got two people, two disciples... One of them denies Jesus, the other betrays Jesus. The one who denied Jesus went out and wept and cried and repented. The one who betrayed Jesus went out and hung himself and committed suicide. Why? Because Peter found repentance. Amen? So the devil is going to try to keep you from repenting. The devil is going to say, you have failed, but because of this dynamic four-part lesson, you know that failure is not final. We're going to let you slide, Johnny, because you've been sick. Failure is not final. Right? Failure's not final. Failure did not have to be final with Judas. Judas made the choice not to seek the Lord, even after he betrayed him. The only problem was that there was already prophecies over Judas' head. You want to say something, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. So we have to watch our emotions. Because our emotions will reveal weaknesses in us. Our emotions will, like, Peter, like, like uh, Kevin said, you know, Peter had walked with the Lord for three years, and that night before, when Jesus said, you're going to deny me, Peter knew that he had a track record. And he said, I will not deny you. I'll even die for you if I need to. But yet when the emotions kicked in, when the pressure and the stress kicked in, then that revealed that weakness in Peter's life. And so we have to be very careful. When you come into a situation that's going to require a large commitment, that's going to require something that is very difficult to stand against or difficult to do, those emotions, what tames our emotions? What tames our thinking? The Word. The Word of God transforms our minds. What's Romans chapter 12 saying? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may, we have to have our minds renewed. Every, every day you have to have your mind renewed. If you don't have your mind renewed, you're going to be out there with an unprotected mind. And an unprotected mind begins to think weird things and unusual thoughts. And you begin to think everybody's against you because your mind is just like a jellyfish. It's just being pushed around and pulled by the current, whichever way it goes. But that's why you have to have the Word. The Word is a, is a stability. It's, it's a rock. The Word is stable. The Word brings you what you need, principles in our lives. Amen? All right. Very good, Kevin. You got more? That's your free one tonight? Okay. That's Kevin's free one. So you guys are getting lots of freebies tonight. It's good. Getting lots of freebies. Okay. So let's go on. Now watch. The Lord restores Peter in a moment of time at the Sea of Galilee. The Lord restores Peter. First of all, he is the first one to see the Lord resurrected. Now the Lord is going to restore Peter at the Sea of Galilee. John chapter 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yes, Lord, thou know that I, you know that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto them, Feed my sheep. He saith, the Lord says to him three times, third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What was the Lord saying? I got work for you to do. What was the Lord saying? Don't worry about the past. I got something ahead. I need you to feed my sheep. I just need to make sure if you love me. Lord, you know I love you. Now, the Lord didn't say, yeah, you say you love me, but you joker, you, you betrayed me or you denied me. He didn't bring it up. That's how forgiveness works. It happens, you forgive and go on. Don't keep bringing it up. When it's under the blood, quit pulling it out from under the blood. Amen? And so he says, I got work for you to do. And Peter goes on to become the leader of the disciples preaching now, Peter goes from denying the Lord to preaching the first message on the day of Pentecost where over 3,000 are baptized in one day. He preaches that first sermon. It started like this, the New Living. Then Peter stepped forward, verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. 
He said, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. Peter's preaching. Peter's pulling back and he's grabbing te- prophecies from Joel. And he's, and he's preaching to these guys. He said the sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what's he doing? He, he denied the Lord just, just a couple weeks ago. He denied the Lord just a couple weeks ago. Actually, about what, 10 days ago? 10 to 13 days. He just denied the Lord 13 days ago, two weeks. And now he's preaching. You see, there has to be that resolution resolute in your in your heart that says i don't care what the lord the 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 devil brought against me the lord says i need you to feed my sheep i don't care what the devil pushed against you the lord told me he had work for me to do you cannot hold off and say well i can't do this because i'm not qualified if the lord brought you into a situation to do something he's called you to do it amen he's called you to do it people of israel listen god publicly endorsed jesus the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew that what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grips. King David said, here he's going back to the Old Testament, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right before me. Or beside me, I'm sorry. And no wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with joy and and presence. What's he doing? He's hammering the word into them. He's giving them the word. He's stepping up from his past and from his failures. And he says, I am going on with what the Lord wants. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David was referring to himself. For he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. He's talking about the day of Pentecost, and he's preaching to thousands. Two weeks ago, he was denying he ever knew the Lord, even threw a few choice words in there. But now, he's turned completely around. Hallelujah. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Bless you. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Let's all stand. We're done. So today, tonight, tonight I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask you this question tonight, brothers and sisters. Each of us, our stories are still being written. Each of our stories is still being written. It's not over. It hasn't ended. Now, Kevin, how many years has it been? Nine years. 
that we went to first fruit. So, 10 years ago would have been 2010. That wasn't a good year for you. 2010 was not a good year. You were still stuck in some addictions with alcohol. You still had hatred in your heart, unforgiveness. You ended up homeless. So Kevin could stop his story right there. But see, that's, what not God, that's not what God had planned. He, God's plan did not stop in 2010 with Kevin in 2010. Because God had 2011. April what, Brother Kevin? April 11th, 2011. Kevin decided that his story still had some stuff to be written in. That his book still had some things to, to write down. And for the next eight months, Kevin subjected himself and submitted himself to the word of the Lord, to the presence of the Lord. He submitted himself to spiritual authority in his life, which wasn't me. Amen? Say, so oh yeah, the pastor wants you. No, Kevin submitted himself to the powers where he was at, the spiritual powers where he was. And he graduated in December, December 11th. 2011. You haven't had a drink of alcohol since April of 2011. And Kevin decided, this is, what, this is what decided it all for us. I said, Kevin, if you do this for eight months, that eight months can change the next 40 to 50 years of your life. Because God had a plan. Yes. Hang on. I'm bringing the mic. Come here. Come on. I like that finger getting pointed. Here, here. Put it in here so Brother Archie. All right. I want you guys to know, though. Hold it up there. I want you guys to know, though, even though that I went through that and I graduated that, I still had some issues in my life. I still went through a divorce. The pressure of that was <clears throat> real. And uh, I want you to understand that once you make a commitment to what you want to do in your life, what's, what's the Lord's stuff, you got to hold on to it. There's things that I wanted to do with my wife that uh, um, out of anger, but if you love somebody, you just don't do it. And I didn't do those things. Um, this man here can testify to that too. Same way with the Lord. If you love the Lord... There's things in your life that you just don't do if you love the Lord. Love will help you hold on to those things. That's Amen. it. Amen. Amen. Love will help you. And what is love? Who is love? God is love. That's what the Word says, doesn't it? So each of our stories is still being written. As long as we're on this earth, it's still being written. So don't give up on yourself. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that. You guys don't know that song. Okay. The only way that failure can get the last word in our lives if lives is if we choose to let failure speak into our lives. It's a choice. You can either let it settle in there and happen or kick it out. We serve a God who is able to take our defeats and missteps and mistakes and still use us to bring glory to his name. So don't look at the situation and say, this is the situation, this is what it looks like, this is all it's ever going to be. God doesn't look at that. God doesn't see things like they are. He sees them as they were. That's how we look in faith. Amen? So the principle to here to learn is this. Whether you've been walking with him faithfully or you've had a few stumbles along the way, he's encouraging you to keep building his kingdom. The Lord is encouraging you. Peter... You love me? Feed my sheep. You love me? Feed my sheep. You love me? Feed my sheep. Lord, you know I love you, and i got work for you to do. He has chosen each of us to be born into his kingdom, so he's called us to do a work. Now, the question is, who are you going to listen to? The Lord and his faith in you or the enemy and his discouragement trying to pull you down? 
Failure is not final. Amen. Amen. Failure is not final. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for all of these examples in our lives. David, Elijah, John, Mark, Paul, Peter, and Lord, there's others. We didn't have time to talk about Abraham. We didn't have time to talk about Jacob. We didn't have time to talk about others, Lord, who pressed through weaknesses and discouragement and failures to do what you wanted them to do. So, Lord, I just ask you now for us to always remember that failure is not final. Let us always remember, God, that you want to do something mighty in our lives, that you want to build in our lives so that, God, we can in turn build in others. I rebuke the voice of the enemy. I silence the voice of doubt and discouragement and oppression and depression in the name of Jesus. Let us walk, God, with a new step, with a new walk. Let us walk in a new anointing and a new power. No matter what the enemy throws our way, let us realize, God, that you're still building in us for us to build the kingdom. You're still building in us to see your image through us. So let us pray right now in Jesus' name that, God, you would bring it to pass, that you would help us to walk stronger and taller for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray all this. And somebody said amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. You are free to go. Thank you for being here tonight. It's 8.22. Bernie can be home by 9 if he hurries. Amen. Amen. Don't get caught. See you at 10 o'clock Sunday morning now.